Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show, my so-called fabulous. I am Tiffany, and it is so great to talk to you today. Come to you in the month of November to talk to you of something that's very, very special in my life, in so many lives, in the lives of so many of my friends going through this. So we are bringing you in November National Adoption Awareness Month, and we are going to talk about that in different perspectives because I have people in my life that um, are adoptive parents, and I also have people in my life that are adoptees from birth until you know, my age and above. So we are sharing a perspective with you today because the goal for me is to create awareness for so many things in life. And uh, it's not always what I know or what I don't know that's really important to you. So that's what we're doing today. And I'm bringing back this fabulous friend that has gone through what we're talking about this month. Liz Nelson, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm so honored. I'm so happy to have you. This is number th- four. Four? I can't even think. Yeah. So many. So many. And you started back when you you were you found out, I think, around the day I first had you on the show many years ago. Well, two. Um, with True, you found out you were pregnant. She walked in like a deer in headlights. <laughs> I'm pregnant. I don't feel good. So, uh, you're, I love watching your life unfold and you, you are an advocate for the community. You are a fabulous mother of three, Thank two beautiful you. girls, one feisty little girl and a beautiful <laughs> little boy uh-huh. and uh, happily married and I'm just so happy to call you my friend. No, oh, thank you. I feel exactly the same. Thank well, you, Tiffany. You know, everyone, she really brings a lot to the community and, um, I had Liz on, gosh, it was earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken, and we talked about trauma and we talked about uh, a lot of that. And Liz trusted me to really bring this to fruition because you have asked for it, because we all go through some form of trauma, whether you want to admit it or not. And I really think admitting it really is key. Um, We're focusing on adoption. Liz is an adoptee. You, um, you are an adult, obviously with the family, Mm -hmm. but centered around your trauma is your process and your experience of being adopted. Am I, if I'm, am I, am I accurate? Yes, absolutely. So tell us your journey. Well, um, I was placed into foster care around the age of three to four, and I was removed from my home because we were myself and two of my siblings were experiencing abuse. Um, I'll speak just on my story here. Um, I experienced physical, uh, verbal, emotional, as well as sexual abuse. And um, the next couple years was just placement and replacement in different foster homes. And I was separated from those siblings as well. And then I was officially and legally adopted at the age of six. Six. So during that time from two, when you were removed from your home, you were in foster care. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And does that mean, and, and I really want to explain these terms because you and I had a conversation about this podcast and I had to, to ask you what these terms meant. And so let's just assume a lot of people don't know. So foster care, when you were in foster care, that means you were in multiple homes. You could be in one home. How does that work? Correct. So there are different um, 
relinquishment and replacement opportunities for children that may be deemed in an unsafe or undersupported environment. And so that could either be kinship, meaning going with someone in their family that's not directly um, the parent relationship, or it could be guardianship that's, you know, a temporary um, care placement opportunity for someone outside of the family or maybe even um, a social worker to take responsibility of the children um, or there's foster care. And for me, foster care was um, at that time via CPS and so um, state mandated and uh, I was placed in the state's care. There are also foster care opportunities that are through adoption agencies as well. So would you consider your experience with foster care a positive experience or no so positive <laughs> not so much um i you know the situation that i was in as a child even prior to being removed was very complex and um you know having to move into foster care didn't seem um atypical actually we talked a little bit about this last night in preparation for a recording um I think I was used to already having to move around. I was born in San Antonio. My parents moved to the DFW area. We moved around. Um, when I was removed uh, from my home at that time, it was actually with my maternal grandmother who was bedridden depressed. Um, so I was very used to having to move around, things feeling temporary, new faces, new people who are supposed to be taking care of me. Um, I don't think that that part of it was, I'll say, as stressful. It was very stressful when it when you think about the psychological and physical um, response that comes with that type of situation. But um, I, I just never felt like I had a sense of belonging or that I truly was loved because everything was so temporary. So looking back and Working through therapy, I can say it was not positive and it actually, you know, began my struggles with anxiety, depression, and PTSD that just compounded over the course of my life. And when you and I discuss this, you know, I have to be honest, I think about, because I do have friends of mine that have recently adopted and people that want friends that are desperate to have a child because they cannot have a child. And I see that part. So when I, you and I talked, again, creating awareness for this podcast host, um, that it's you're looking at both sides, the adoptee and the adoptive parents. Everyone's excited of their parents. And it's we are advocating for both. You and I are advocating for both for, to create awareness. I want everyone to understand that. So when you go into foster care, it's much different from being born and then just going straight into a family that's been waiting on you, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's there are a lot of dynamics, and I think that's why opening the conversation about adoption and adjusting the dialogue that has been primarily focused on um, parents that so desire to have a child, they're unable to have a child, or they want to help a child that's in need, and they have, you know, maybe a, a surplus of love and um, financial support that they can do that for a child or children. Um, but because there are so many different situations and why a child may be removed, I mean, that, that could be something um, as simple as in 
heartbreaking as a death of parents that was unexpected or, um, you know, uh, a family in poverty or homelessness. Um, you know, in my situation, my parents were um, drug addicts and uh, in and out of jail or prison. And so um, I think that considering all pieces of the situation where the child, the adoptee-to-be, um, is prioritized is what I hope that the focus will move forward um, as far as, you know, adoption and the subject of adoption goes. Absolutely. And, you know, Liz, being a parent, parent myself of a 24-year-old, and I remember having a child and thinking, what do we do now? There's not a handbook. Right. There's not. Now we know more. We have more, in my opinion, more resources at our fingertips, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the psychological um, portion of being an adoptive parent and adoptee is very different. looks very different from just being having a biological child yes. that you love and you nourish. I mean, you are going through that. You have that. You have three beautiful children. Yes. So the perspective of both. Mm -hmm. I think that creating awareness for these adoptive parents, you can share and shed light on when you went to your new family, you and your brothers went to your new family. Has the stigma changed? Because you said there was a stigma. I don't know how long ago it was, around 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. I read, I'm just reading, who knows what we're reading on the internet. <laughs> Things have changed, right? So has the stigma from what you went through with your adoptive parents changed? I mean, what your rules were with being adopted? You know, um, when we consider perspective, there are different types of perspective. And, you know, as individuals, we tend to focus on our perceived perspective in terms of what we experience. And so for me and my perce perceived um, experience was that I was not supposed to talk about being adopted. I was not supposed to talk about my name change. Um, there was not open dialogue in my adoptive home. And that was, in my opinion, to my my brother's detriment. Um, to pretend like it didn't happen, something that felt so dramatic and so traumatic for myself, um, you know, kind of made it feel like I had done something wrong or my value was less than because I, I wanted to talk about it. Um, in particular, you know, going back to the abuse that I encountered, um, one of my parents was put on trial for certain other, you know, criminal activities that had happened, but also for the abuse that was instilled on me and that I, shared with, um, you know, detectives and the court system. And I was in a place where I was prepared to go on the stand at the trial for it. Um, but never again was that conversation opened up. Um, and I think having to carry that around and keep it in a suppressed box within me has been extremely damaging to my spirit and um, has impacted my relationships and my being able to trust other human beings. Um, and, you know, and then just going back into my role as a parent, uh, I'm constantly questioning and constantly struggling with the motherhood role and always wondering, is this 
is this the right thing? Um, I have to seek out more knowledge, seek out more understanding, seek professional advice in addition to what my own experience was. Because the last thing any parent, any loving parent would want to do is to damage their child. But especially having that personal experience that I have, it's heightened to an extreme that has me constantly in a state of worry. Mm-hmm. And stress. Yes. Which is tough, for sure, in any situation, but especially this as a child. And so go back to what you said. You actually had to go on the stand and... and Was prepared to do that. So what, prepared. Okay. what happened right before that was that um, my parents took the, a plea deal. And so I didn't have to go up there. But, you know, I was in judges' quarters and fully prepared to, to do that. And I think that... Um, what I went through in that particular situation as well just made me grow up. And uh, I feel like because of the abuse I went through, because I was not allowed to, I didn't have to take the stand. I had power removed from me um, and so young. And and then going back to your uh, focus on how do I feel that impacted me in the long run in terms of being in foster care and then later adopted? I think that I it constantly in feeling like I am powerless and um, that my my voice and my value are have been, you know, deterred. And and that's something that I'm constantly seeking out. Right. Right. So when you go back to your childhood however many I'm gonna I'm just gonna say 30 years ago but why do you think you were silenced what was society back then what were we doing why would we why would we not did we just not have the education did we not have the research did we just not listen to our children back then and I'm really not I'm kind of confused but I do know life has changed. I yes. mean, we all, thank goodness, we all have changed. So much has changed. Um, why do you think that was a, that was so important to your parents? You know, I think that, and I'm definitely not the expert on this. And, and one no, of the things- No, one of us, for sure. Yeah, I, I had to emphasize that last night was that I am in this um, extreme learning, researching stage of uh, being an adoptee and um, empowering myself um, in the ways that I feel like would best support me and uh, my longevity. But I think it really goes back to incentive. What is the true incentive um, globally, nationally, um, when we look at international versus domestic a- adoption? What's the incentive? I think a lot of times it has been um, profit-based, and I think that tends to skew a lot of things as, you know, we have open discussion about that and a lot of different aspects with, you know, the world and the economy and decisions made. But as far as my parents go, um, I think they, you know, we always are told as adoptees they did the best they could with what they had. Um, Everyone has their own experience and has their own traumas. Um, And I think that because there has been lack of education and um, an open discussion offered to birth parents, adoptive parents with an adoptee's voice being centered there, that that was, we were just ill-equipped at that time. So now I feel like 
more professionals are offering to um, the community to speak more openly about things and speak their experience that we can actually open our eyes and uh, become more aware of things that were maybe sifted to the side or hidden from us, like with adoption agencies and the CPS state system. Would you consider your adoption um, closed adoption? Yes. Because I talk, I've read the closed adoption and open adoption. So yours was very closed. Closed, yeah. And what I was I was told as I got a little bit older was that it was closed for safety reasons. So they were concerned that if the parents were not in prison, that they would come to try to find us and take us. And I know that um, safety and the health of a child it should be and was in my situation a top priority. Um, but because of that, I also felt like I wasn't allowed any other information about what happened to me or where my family is, medical history, things like that. Yes. And birth certificate. Birth certificate. Mm -hmm. You don't have your original birth certificate. No. And that is, that is a right that, and when you told me that, I'm so flabbergasted. It seems like a right as a human. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I don't understand the... I guess if you don't want the, the the child to know, you know, which brings on so many thought processes. Back to you, what you were saying about the health. Mm-hmm. You and I are at this phase of our life of, I mean, you know, we're not, I'm not a spring chicken and <laughs> you are, but health problems and health issues. And when you go and you have to fill out your health history, I know my mother's deceased and I'm I still didn't ask her enough questions, mm-hmm. you know, I just, just, you know, I think I was selfish. No, I just didn't think I was, I thought I was going to be invincible and never be sick. Right. So not having that history is critical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, medical history, going into a doctor's office, I've just been used to over my lifetime, them asking, what's the medical history or do you have a history of this or that? Um, especially when I have gone through different um, health crises type situations. And it's what the situation is, is I have to report I was adopted. They maybe check a box on my um, medical forms or they jot it down as a note. And then that's just the end of it. (laughs) And, you know, I never thought anything um, was unusual with that. I thought that was just part of, you know, going through the motions. And, you know, again, I was, I was told not to talk about what I'd gone through or being adopted. Uh, but now as an adult, and especially as a nurse, I, I find that to be, to feel very unfair and that um, I had rights taken from me that without my consent or awareness, you know, um, I wish there was some opportunity or, Providers were educated in a way to say, okay, you were adopted and and these are the symptoms that you've experienced or um, let's run this uh, series of panels on you to rule out certain things, just like they have um, for women who are pregnant mm-hmm. and, you know, they do genetic testing. I wish they had that, you right. know, um, something else to consider as we move forward in the adoption dialogue. Yes, because it's very expensive. I mean, very tests expensive. are very, very expensive and, mm-hmm. and finding out your DNA and all of those things. So right. very expensive. But I was so shocked. And when you told me, because 
going to the doctor and checking a box, well, that doesn't make it all right. That's right. Not, I mean, you, you know nothing. That just is so amazing to me. Has it changed at all? Has the, uh, knowing that, is that, was that bring up the topic of an open adoption, right? Mm -hmm. Because is that fairly common now, right? An open adoption. I think that's being promoted more. Um, you know, there are a lot of neurological studies and psychological studies that are, have been occurring and are occurring, I think, more now, or at least I'm more aware of them, um, in understanding what happens with relinquishment of a child and removing a child from their birth mother. There are a lot of developmental and physical things that happen to individuals when they are removed from their mother a lot of the studies are up to age two, but with personality development, it, it is up to age six and how that creates lifelong traumatic grief, um, which presents as physical symptoms and ailments. Um, you know, there are studies out that are showing that adoptees are four times higher risk for suicide and um, two times higher risk for developing disabilities like PTSD and other things. Um, and I think with having open adoption, there are probably different types of openness and we you know talked about boundaries um earlier and and how you figure that out what is going to be most healthy and most ethical for especially um the adoptee and the birth family but including everyone that's part of the adoption conversation in that mm -hmm. everyone everybody um did you when when you decided you and reggie decided to have a family mm -hmm. I know I went through it, I guess, and I don't have the trauma, but did you, does this affect you that you felt like you, your role as a mother, did, did your history with where your, your journey of adopt, being an adoptee through your relationships, did this, did you question that at all? You know, thinking back on this, um, there has been a transformation in um, how I, I've approached that my initial thought in wanting to to be a mother and this started as a child in playing with baby dolls was i want to have my own children because i want to give them a life that i didn't have we talked about that in the trauma episode that we did together um but i think as you know we have three children 11 7 and 2 and over that course of 11 years um how I feel about it has changed a lot um, based on what I've learned and just, you know, my maturation as an, an individual. And I think that um, being a parent is very complicated. Ugh. I mean, go go back a square. Having <laughs> relationships ah, is very complicated. With anyone. With anybody. Mm -hmm. Having relationships with complex trauma compounded trauma is very um a fragile thing to approach parenthood yes but then parenthood when you've been through the adoption process you're an adoptee an adoptee that has a lot of trauma um everything i do i question my my full approach to parenting whether they are in the house with me um, and I am guiding them and modeling to them what I feel like um, will provide them the life that they need to support themselves spiritually, emotionally, physically, but also to be um, supportive in the community as a citizen. But going outside of the home, inviting other people in, allowing them to go other places, um, 
the complexities that we've gone through with the world since the pandemic and violence and things like that. It's just, I, I question things a lot and that worry button is so hard to turn off because of what I know and this fog that I've carried and this pain that's sits inside me I just don't want them to have to go through that knowing that I can't keep them away from all pain but at the same time as a, as a parent you just want to protect your children at all costs at all costs and it never goes away and because well, you and I were talking about this yesterday I mean I would ask my dad he never stops worrying about me and I'm 58 years old you know I mean he never stops worrying about me and his job is not done at all you know i don't think your job is ever done i don't think i will ever stop parenting kennedy you know i mean but she's parenting me a little bit now, <laughs> right <laughs> for sure but you know i don't think that ever stops i i really don't so liz let's let's talk about friends that we have that have adopted at birth okay what advice would you give as an adoptee to these fabulous people that are adopting that like you and I didn't have a handbook, whether you have them biologically or you adopt them, mm -hmm. what would be some pieces of advice? Because that's what people want to hear. Right. I think let's just keep it basic and keep it adoptee centered. So any decisions that you're going to make or in planning for that life with that child, keep it adoptee centered. Consider where they came from biologically Consider what they're going to go through developmentally, what questions they, they may have. Um, you know, practice your dialogue as they go through those developmental milestones. Seek out your resources. And that could just be speaking to someone that you know that is an adoptive parent or is an adoptee at different ages. Um, I'm a firm believer in um, improving and growing your perspective. And, you know, there's that saying that says your perspective grows and changes kind of based on where you are seated at the table, adjust your seat at the table and gain new understanding. And, and maybe that'll provide under, you know, opportunity for clarity and, um, being the best that you can be, be with the adoptee as the center, as the center, mm -hmm. in your opinion, again, we're not experts on this, no. um, experience. <laughs> One of us has experience. Um, is there a, if you have this child at birth, is there an age, does research show the age that you should start talking about it? Because kids, I mean, think about true. Think about your, your kids. Think about that. Is there, I mean, I've looked online and there's a few ranges, but I think it's very um, situational. Um, I think it's kind of, it depends on where you are as a parent and your growth and understanding where the child is. Um, is the child coming with typical development or are there some other things, some barriers that um, you may have to be considered? But I know there are so many more books out there, children's books that, you know, can create relatability for the children and, and allow them to feel like they can um, openly discuss how they feel and, and maybe memories and, and things like that. Um, as a mother and adoptee, I struggle with it. Um, my oldest and both of my girls know that I'm adopted, but I haven't gone into the story. Um, I'm, I'm kind of more approaching it as let's look at um, a very basic foundational approach to discussing this with them. 
the other part of that um, is, you know, you kind of need to resolve barriers that you may have yourself. So for me as an adoptee, it's kind of working through the healing process and be able to speak about it, which I can now as evidence right here without breaking down um, and, and wanting to isolate myself for a few days. But with adoptive families, make sure that you address anything that could be um, that could cause an issue with your communication with your child. Are there certain triggers, which we talked about in our trauma episode, mm -hmm. that you want to address and maybe practice before discussing with a child? There could be certain words that make you feel super uncomfortable. Um, if, if you're in a situation as an adoptive parent where you do have a partner that you can practice with or a professional, um, whether that's a social worker, psychologist, et cetera, um, that can actually guide you on that. Um, and as far as therapists, I would say um, therapists that do have um, involvement and a lot of experience with the adoption process, whether they're an adoptee, adoptive parent, or they've worked in the system a lot. I think um, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to customize it based on your child and your own needs. So Liz, talk to the adoptees that are in your shoes. What have you done to heal? What are you doing uh, present, past, and future, what are you doing to heal? How can you share that? Like, like what, what, there's someone that's listening that needs to hear this. Yeah, I'm, and I, I so hope so. Um, it's actually been kind of difficult to connect with adoptees. And so what I've done just um, in my familiarity with social media is I've gotten on Instagram and you can literally search like a Google search on Instagram's platform, um, adoptees, um, adoption support, adoption legislation, and just filter through those accounts and see if you can find anything that speaks to you. Um, there are resources on those accounts, websites, um, though oftentimes people who are in um, the adoption realm uh, will tag other accounts that they have found that are useful or for the cause. And so that's kind of where I've started. I, I always will um, encourage having a therapist uh, wherever you are in your therapy and healing journey. Um, have someone on board and available to you. Um, mental health should always be top priority. Don't rush the process. Um, take your time and, and just seek out connection because I feel like that's part of that sense of belonging that's instilled in all of us as human beings. You know, you shared with me a couple of Instagram accounts, Open Adoption Project. This was uh, very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I read this on one of her um, Instagram posts. Adoptive parents have an enormous responsibility to bring psychological safety to their homes and families, which includes their children's first families. Findings hold answers for adoptive families who want to create an environment of openness so each family members know that they can talk about the hard parts of adoption and still be accepted. That's powerful, right? It's powerful. I mean, it's, the adoption process is so complex. And when we talk about who all is included in that, it is numerous people. And um, that, that makes things scary. It uh, makes things challenging. And I think maybe that's also a part of why, it, like you were saying in the last 30 years, that um, it, it hasn't been a supportive discussion, um, the adoption process and the adoption industry, which is really what it is. Um, so I think, I think that is important. And again, identifying the best approach for your family and for the adoptee is 
is where people can get started with that. Absolutely. You know, I and, and I was talking, I told you when I, I did some research on the 10 tips for raising the adoptive child, we've hit them all. But um, one that I thought was just really, really great for people with multiple children mm-hmm. is to make sure you prepare your siblings, the older siblings and new ones coming. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, your kids are used to your undivided attention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So bringing in another person they need to be prepared for that, right? Right. I mean, and that's that's some a subject that comes with um, biological children as well. You know, preparing for <laughs> siblings. Um, you know, but with parents that have a biological child, um, there is there should be a different discussion and maybe different books as resources to incorporate in that um, supporting that child and supporting the family as a whole with bringing in an adopted child and vice versa. If they, if the family already has adopted children and they're bringing another child in, that child is going to have different background, different story and need to be, you know, supported in their own unique ways as well. And so I think that's just a great way to have open communication and full love and support in a family. Absolutely. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you. You bring (laughs) so much joy to so many people And your story, I know it's difficult. I mean, I've known you a while and I know it's difficult. And I mean, it it strikes uh, my heart, a string in my heart, because I know you are struggled and you're just teaching so much. I told you that when you did the trauma. Y'all go back and listen to Liz and I talk about trauma that you've been through and you'll see that we're not alone. I mean, there's people that need help and you're helping so many. Well, thank you. That's That's a major goal of mine. Absolutely. And, you know, we are advocating for both the parents yes. and the adoptee during National Adoption Awareness Month. And so go get your white ribbon. I do know that. See, I'm learning <laughs> constantly, constantly. <laughs> How can we find you, Liz? You can find me on Instagram, hashtag FWLizDiane. Oh, my goodness. And she's a beautiful, beautiful person. She's a fabulous nurse esthetician. And uh, she's just, she's a go-getter. Just love her. Thank Thank you, you, Tiffany. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope we bring awareness. And uh, if you ever have questions, just DM me anytime. You can see all of this information in the show notes. And y'all, do your part. Be nice. Be a good person. And keep being fabulous.